What the book of Proverbs is all about is godly wisdom. How to get godly wisdom, how to apply godly wisdom so that we can make more than a living, we can make a life. The Proverbs found in the Bible are much more than just clever sayings. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, truly God's wisdom to us. So in order for us to unlock the wisdom of Proverbs, we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord, which means we have a healthy fear and respect of His Word. As we go through the book of Proverbs this summer, let's learn how to make more than a living. Let's make a life that counts. Morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles. Turn to the book of... Proverbs, you got it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 is where we're going to begin today. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. As you're turning there, I want to make a special announcement this morning. You may have noticed this in your newsletter that on July 5th, that is the Sunday right after July 4th on Saturday night, we will not be having any services that day here at Prairie View High School at Orchard Church. This is not because it's 4th of July weekend, uh, but because the school actually came to us and they said, we need about two weeks to do a massive cleaning and stripping and waxing the floors and this whole wing. And so they said, is there any Sunday you guys could possibly take off? We looked at the summer calendar and said, well, if there was any weekend that we could probably do that, it would be July 4th weekend, especially since July 4th is on Saturday night. So don't show up here on Sunday, July 5th. I won't be here okay nobody will be here but we are going to provide you guys a family devotion we're going to put it online we'll let you know more about that it's a devotion on freedom so be very appropriate it's something you can read through with your family on that Sunday or you can listen to it online and so we can provide that for you but it also gives us an opportunity to give a break to all of our volunteers Uh, we have over 300 volunteers that serve most every weekend at Orchard Church and so it gives them a break that whole weekend so just enjoy a family weekend and then we'll look forward to being back the next week. We want to let you guys know that now as you make your plans. We're going to begin today in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7. And I want you guys to help me out. What's the very first word of Proverbs 4 7? Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get what? Wisdom. That's really one of the key verses and themes in the book of Proverbs. God says, listen, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, you want to get wisdom. Let me ask you by a show of hands. How many of you would like to get more wisdom to make wiser decisions in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, okay? Hopefully, everybody's hand is up. If not, you didn't make a wise decision because we all need wisdom. I bet if you look back on your life last week, you probably had some decisions to make and you needed wisdom to make the right decision. Maybe it was a decision at work. It was a decision in your family, a decision in a relationship, maybe a decision in your finances or your health. We're always faced with decisions in life, and we want to make sure we're making wise decisions. And if we truly want to be wise, then we need to possess the characteristics of wise people. You know, if you want to be a basketball player, there's some characteristics you need to have to be able to play basketball. You need to be a little bit athletic. You need to be able to dribble a ball. You need to be able to shoot. You probably need to have a little bit of size, a little bit of height, which is why I'm not a basketball player. I don't have those characteristics. If you want to be a musician or a singer, if you want to be in the Orchard uh, Praise Team, you know, we do tryouts and we don't just 
Take everyone that has a smiling face. We'd like to, but we're looking for people with talent. Okay? You need to be able to sing. You need to be able to play an instrument if you want to be a musician. You have to have those characteristics. If you want to play for the Colorado Rockies, they'll take anybody. You probably can be on that. You'll be okay. They are playing a little bit better, so I better laugh at them. But here's the good news. If you want to be wise and you want to make wise decisions, the characteristics of wisdom are clearly found in the book of Proverbs we're studying this summer. This is something we can all have and we can all obtain. And, we, and we're, we've called this Insights from a Wise Guy. And I challenged you guys last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, I encourage you to watch the message online because we did an introduction to our summer series in Proverbs. But how many of you guys took the challenge and you've been reading um, a chapter of Proverbs every day that matches the day of the month. You've been doing that since last week? Raise your hand. Okay. There were a lot more hands last week that went up saying you were committing to do this. But we're not going to make you feel guilty. Just start today. Today is June the 7th. And so read Proverbs chapter 7 and just do that every day because there's one chapter for every day of the month. And in this series, you'll read through Proverbs a couple of times. But over the next four weeks inside of this series of Proverbs, we're going to kind of do a four-week mini-series called Wise and Otherwise. And what we're going to be looking at is the five different types of people that you're going to keep meeting as you read through the book of Proverbs. You're going to keep seeing these people. They're the wise, and then there's the otherwise. There's the wicked, there's the simple, there's the scoffer, and there's the fool. And we're going to look at those five groups of people over the next four weeks. Today, we're going to get better acquainted with the wise. Now, this is what we want to be. Today is what you want to be. You want to be wise. The next four weeks is what you want to avoid. So today, you guys ready to learn how to be more wise? Make wise decisions? And I hope you'll take some notes. Characteristics of the wise. Now, let me tell you, if you are parents or grandparents... You will want your kids and grandkids to have these characteristics. Because parents, would we agree, we want our kids to make wise decisions. Grandparents, do we want our grandkids to make wise decisions? Then shouldn't we all want to make wise decisions? So these are not just characteristics for your kids and grandkids. They're, they're characteristics for all of us if we really, truly want to be wise. So I hope you'll take some notes this morning. First characteristic of wise people is this. Wise people listen to wise words. Wise people listen to wise words. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to be popping around uh, Proverbs today, so, so be ready. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. It says, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. In other words, a wise person wants to listen to wise words from wise people. If you want to be wise, listen to wise people. My wife reminds me of this all the time. My sweet wife, Shelly, will say to me, honey, if you would listen to me more, you would be right more. She tells me that all the time. And most of the time, she's right. Wise people listen to wise people. Now, let me give you one of the secrets of wise people. Because you, you look at wise people and they, they make wise decisions. And you wonder, okay, how, where did they get all this wisdom? And, and, and what is it? What's their secret? How do, they, how do they have all the wisdom to make these wise decisions? Here's one of the secrets of wise people. Wise people know what they don't know. And they're willing to listen to people who do know. Let me say that again. Wise people are wise enough to know what they don't know and willing to listen to people who do know. It's not that they know everything. They just know what they don't know and then they find people they can listen to who do know. If that makes sense, say yes. yes. 
Wise people listen to wise words from wise people. You know, I've learned this in the last 10 years, pastoring Orchard Church. I mean, I never dreamed that God would do everything that he's done to blow us away. That's why it's a God-sized thing and only God can get the credit. I mean, we're about to have our 10-year anniversary this fall. I I never dreamed that we'd be running some 1,500 people a weekend in three services 10 years into it. I've never pastored a church of 1,500 people. I've never pastored a church where I had to preach more than one service. And now I'm doing three services. I've never led a staff the size of staff that it takes for us to run all the ministries of our church. And we're continuing to add to that staff. But I've hopefully been wise enough to go, you know what? I know what I don't know. And so I'm going to talk to some people who do know. So I'm trying to connect myself to pastors who are pastoring churches of 2,000, 2,500 people who have multiple services going, okay, what do we do with this? How do we accommodate these people? How do we minister to these people? You know, what are the things that you're doing and, and trying to learn? from them. It's sad that some people are just so stubborn. They don't want to listen to anybody. They think they know it all. Anybody know somebody like that? Yeah? Don't point to them. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that's not, that's not wise. That's foolish to think that we know everything about everything. And some people think, well, they just got to figure everything out on their own. No, wise people listen to wise people. They know what they don't know and they find people who do know. Um, a saying that you hear all the time is experience is the best teacher. How many of you guys have ever heard that? Experience is the best teacher. I hate that statement. I, don't, I disagree with that statement. I don't think experience is the best teacher. I think someone else's experience is the best teacher. Amen? Why make the mistake if you can learn what to avoid? You know, why have to figure it out on your own? I think somebody else's experience. Wise people listen to wise people. You know, we're going through uh, th- this building opportunity. We, we purchased the land next door and we've got to go. Th- I'm not, I've never built a building. I've never built anything. And I, I, I know what I don't know. And we've got to go through zoning and annexation with the city. And we've got to hire a general contractor and do all these things. And so we found people in our church that God has gifted with knowledge about construction and knowledge about the process through the city. And we put them on our building team. And they have been a godsend to us to help us through this project. Because I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll just tell you guys. I know how to preach. Okay? I don't know how to build buildings. But we've connected with those people. And, and I hope you guys will be excited to hear we're almost through the annexation uh, period uh, with, with Brighton. We're almost done with that. Then we're moving on to the zoning process. We're, we're getting ready to uh, choose our general contractor. And uh, Lord willing, at the latest, we'll be breaking ground in January, February of 2016. That's, that's our plan. So I hope you guys are excited about that. We've already got the floor plan. We're working on the elevations and things like that, so it's exciting. But we're, we're gleaning from people with wisdom to help us in this. And so as a parent... You know, in your marriage, in in your finances, you know, if you are struggling and and you go, I don't know what decisions to make, find wise people you can connect with. Parents who've already raised their kids, you know, uh, if you're struggling in your finances, don't talk to your broke uncle, you know, to try to figure out your finances. (laughs) Talk to somebody who's done well with their finances and knows how to act their wage and live on a budget and, you know, uh, put every dollar on paper on purpose before the month begins so that you tell your money where to go rather than wonder where it went like most people. So wise people listen to wise people. Even on your spiritual journey, if you're just beginning your spiritual journey and you say, you know, I don't really know 
everything I'd like to know about the Bible. That's why we have discipleship here at Orchard Church, where we pair you up with another believer who can speak godly words of wisdom into your life and help you on your journey. Proverbs eleven fourteen says it this way. We'll put it on the screen. It says, where there is no counsel, the people do what? They fall. You see, when we, we try to figure it out all on our own, we will fall, we will crash and burn. But in the multitude of counselors, wise counselors, there's what, church? There's safety. So wise people listen to wise people. If you want to be wise and you want to make wise decisions, are you listening to wise people? Are you connecting with wise people that you can listen to? Here's another characteristic. Wise people hold on to what they've learned from wise people and they use it. They put it into practice. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14. Go there with me. Proverbs 10, 14. It says, wise people store up knowledge. They hold on to it. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Wise people hold on to the wisdom that they have found so they can put it into practice in their life when they need it. Fools are the opposite of wise. They don't hold on to what they've learned. And even if they do hold on to it, they don't apply it and put it into practice. What good is the knowledge that we gain and the wisdom if we're not willing to do something with it and put it into practice? And again, I'll, I'll apply this very practically to finances. You know, we've had a lot of people in our church over the last 10 years who've gone through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. We offer it almost every small group semester. You, you can sign up for that. And we'll have people who, they'll, they'll pay the $100, they'll get into the class, they'll, they'll show up every time, they'll fill out their workbook, and then you talk to them six months later, how's your budget? Yeah, we never did one of those. <laughs> how's your savings? Well, we, we didn't start that yet. You know, what good is it to go through things like that and, and acquire the knowledge if we don't hold on to it and put it into use and practice in our life? Wise people grab the knowledge and they apply it. You see, because if all we do is gain knowledge, but we don't do anything with it, you know what Paul warns? Paul said this, the Apostle Paul, he said, knowledge alone puffs up. It just make us, makes us prideful and egotistical and a know-it-all. And we all know people like that. They're not fun to be around. I like to think of our lives and our minds like a sponge. You know, we soak up all this knowledge, but, you know, we need to squeeze that sponge out every once in a while. Squeeze it out into our life and share it with other people's lives. Because what, what happens to a sponge if it gets full of water and you don't squeeze it out and you just kind of set it on the counter for a few days? It begins to sour and it begins to mold and it begins to stink. Know any people like that? Yeah, we all do. Wisdom, though, takes the knowledge and squeezes it out and applies it in our life. There's a great illustration of this principle in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27. Look, look there with me. Proverbs 12, 27. And it's a, it's a hunting metaphor. And so if you're into hunting, you'll identify with this. I'm a hunter. I like to hunt. And so I can identify with this. And it says in Proverbs 12, 27, the lazy man does not roast or cook or eat what he took in hunting. But diligence is man's precious possession. You know, how foolish would it be to go out and hunt and kill an animal, but then not eat that animal? I mean, you don't just kill an animal just to kill an animal. And the same applies to knowledge. You don't get knowledge just to get knowledge. You get it so you can use it and put it into use in your life. If that makes sense, say yes. So wise people grab onto knowledge, they hold onto it, and they put it into use. This is one of the reasons why we give you guys notes every week here at Orchard Church. On the back of your newsletter, you have notes that you can take. 
so that you can take what you're learning from God's word, the wisdom, every week, take it home, and then apply it to your life. And I love, sometimes we have people in our church that have been here for years. They've got little spiral binders and things. They've taken all the notes and they put them in there from years. You know, and even if you take the notes while you're here in church and then you just throw them away afterward, you're still going to remember and get more out of it as if you didn't take any at all because educators tell us that you're going to remember about twice as much as you hear and you see and you write down. And so we do that so you guys don't just come to church and go, oh, that was a nice message and I learned something, but so you can take it and be doers of God's word and not just hearers only because wise people hold on to what they've learned and they use it. So are you, are you applying the wisdom that you've learned? If you want to be wise, you will apply it. Here's another one. Wise people... Connect with wise people. You want to be wise? You want to make wise decisions? Here's one of the characteristics of the wise. Wise people connect with wise people. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be, help me church, will be what? Will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. We are who we connect with. We are who we hang out with. Maybe you've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Isn't that true? We are who we connect with. Now, now there's a difference between those who are our casual acquaintances and those who are our closest, dearest friends. The Bible would call them companions. See, casual friends are a result of circumstances. But close friends are a result of choice. Let me say that again. Casual friends can be a result of circumstances. They happen to live next door. We happen to work together. We're in the same department. You know, we go to school together. But our close friends are a result of our choices. Who am I going to hang out with? Who am I going to share life with? Who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to share my, my hopes and my dreams? Who am I going to allow to influence me? Now, we need to have acquaintances that are not believers so that we can have an opportunity to reach them for Christ. But the Bible says our closest, dearest, most intimate friends ought to be wise people because wise people connect with wise people. We make a, a choice. And, and, you know, today when we talk about making connections with people, we've got to talk more than just, you know, going to lunch or going to dinner. Because a very popular place for people to connect today is a little website maybe you've heard of called Facebook. Anybody ever heard of Facebook? And this is where a lot of people connect today. So today we could probably say, show me your Facebook friends and I'll show you your future. And, and, and sometimes there's even people and friends on Facebook that we have to unfollow. You know, we have to, to, to unfollow them because of things they're saying or things. I mean, there's a, would you all agree? There's a lot of drama that happens on social media. <laughs> and social media can be a wonderful place to connect, but it can also be a dangerous place to connect. We've got to be wise, and wise people connect with wise people. And we, and we make a choice who are going to be, who, who are going to be our friends, who are going to be our close friends, and we make a decision. A familiar verse about this in, in the scriptures is 2 Corinthians 6.14. Paul said this, Do not be unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. Now, that's not talking about our acquaintances. That's talking about our companions. That's talking about our most intimate, closest friends. Now, we usually apply this verse to people who are, are dating and, you know, single saying, Okay, you know, uh, Christian singles should date 
Christians. And I believe that's true. But really when Paul originally wrote this, he wasn't even talking about dating or marriage. He was talking just about friendships. He was just talking about relationships. What was he saying? Wise people connect with wise people. Which means that we connect with believers. That our closest, most intimate companions are believers. I, 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 I saw this play out in my own life. Some of you know my testimony. I grew up in church in a Christian home. And I mean, every time the doors were opened, I was at church. I was at my youth group. I was very involved. And I had a lot of Christian friends. And I remember even in middle school, I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was walking with the Lord. I was bringing unsaved friends to Christ and bringing them to church. And then I, I turned 16. I got a job. I got a girlfriend. I got out of church. And I started making new friends. Friends at work and friends at school that were not Christians. And before, I was making really wise decisions. And then all of a sudden, I started connecting with the wrong people, and I started making wrong decisions and wrong choices, and I started making foolish decisions. And that happened for about six years of my life. And then I got reconnected with some Christian friends that I grew up with in church. They got me back into church, and I knew that if my lifestyle was going to change, some of my friends had to change. And I started reconnecting with believers that were walking with the Lord and encouraging me. And it was an amazing thing that happened. I stopped making foolish decisions and I started making wise decisions. Because we are who we hang out with. We are who we connect with. And wise people connect with wise people. Parents, we want this for our kids, don't we? We, we, we need to want it for us as well, as, as well. Now you may be asking, okay, well where... Do I find this place to connect? You know, where, where does that come from? This is one of the reasons why at Orchard Church, we have small groups. We had over 40 small groups this last spring where people could meet in homes, you know, 10, 12, 15 Christians to be able to talk about God and talk about God's word and get connected. And for those of you that have been in our small groups, would you agree that it's a great place to connect with other believers? Say yes. It's a great place, and, and it never fails. We have people that wait and wait to get in a small group, and then they when they finally get in a small group, they say, ah, oh, why did I wait so long? You know, in a church our size, some 1,500 people on a weekend and three services, you're not going to get connected very well just by coming to church and leaving every Sunday. So a great place to connect with wise people is to get in a small group. Now, we're taking breaks, I know, right now through the summer, and but we'll be signing up in the fall. Just be praying now. Be prepared. We're going to make a decision this fall. We're going to get in a small group because we need to connect with other believers. We need to connect with wise people. But you know what? You don't have to wait till summer or, or till summer's over, till fall, to be able to connect with wise people because we have discipleship here at Orchard Church. And you know what this discipleship is all about? It's connecting believers with other people who can help them grow in their faith. And you can sign up for that now. I had a, a lady just after the first service. She said, you know, I'm a new believer. I'm just starting my journey. Where do I get started? And we signed her up for discipleship so she can connect with wise people. Let me tell you another way you can get You can do this today after this service, a way you can connect with wise people and other believers. You know what it is? Serve. Just serve here at Orchard Church. Because in serving, you're going to serve with other believers. And we find that people have made friends and connections just because they're serving together. They're working in a class together with the kids. Or they're being greeters. You know, you, you want to meet people in our church? Be a greeter. You know, host people. You get to meet everybody. And so serving can be a great way to connect. Because wise people connect with wise people. Wise people listen to wise words. Wise people apply what they've, they've learned. Here's another one. Wise people avoid temptation. Wise people learn how to avoid temptation. Look at Proverbs 14, verse 16. Now, now as you're going there, let me say this. 
Is it a, is it a sin? Let me ask you this. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. Jesus was tempted. It's only a sin when we give in to the temptation. But what we want to do, wise people, avoid being around temptation because temptation, when we give into it, leads to sin. So wise people try to stay as far away from temptation and the things that they know that might tempt them. Proverbs 14, 16 says it this way. A wise man fears and departs from evil. He tries to get away from it. But a fool rages and is self-confident. That's what a fool does. And as you go through Proverbs, you'll see this is what the wise do. This is what the fool does. And the fool is always the opposite of the wise. And a wise per person seeks to avoid temptation and stay away from it. Now, you know where most temptation starts? It's right here in verse 16 connected to the fool. A fool rages and is what? Self-confident. When we start getting self-confident, thinking, well, I would never be tempted... Or I would never give in to that temptation. When we start down that path of self-confidence, we're in trouble. Because none of us are above giving in to temptation. And when we think, you know, I would never do this, I would never do that, I would never see, say this, I would never go there. And we become self-confident, that can lead to us giving in to temptation. And self-confidence is not wise. We see the failures of self-confident people throughout the Bible. Joshua was self-confident. He lost a battle at Ai. Uh, Samson was self-confident. He got thrown in prison and eventually died. Um, Peter was self-confident. Jesus said, you're going to deny me. He said, no, no, I would never deny you. And what did Peter do? He denied Jesus three times. He was self-confident. We got to be willing to avoid temptation. Wise people avoid it. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Paul said this, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he what? Lest he fall. Because no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. We, none of us are above that. So wise people don't see how close can I get to the edge of the cliff without falling over. Wise people try to stay away from the edge of the cliff to avoid temptation. Now, I, I want to I unpack this just a little bit in a very practical way. As we go through life and, and we face decisions and temptations and things like that. Most of our bad decisions that we've made in life. If you look back, if I look back, most of my bad decisions and my regrets did not begin with something immoral or unethical or illegal. You know, most of us don't wake up and go, you know what, I think I'm gonna just rob a bank today. You know, I think today is a good day to just mess up my marriage and have an affair. You know? I, you know, I've been thinking about getting addicted to drugs and the day just seemed like the right day. I mean, it doesn't start there. We don't, most of the time, we don't just wake up deciding I'm going to fall into sin and totally wreck my life today. If we're honest, most of our bad decisions in life and regrets that may end up in sin start because we're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person or the wrong people or making the wrong purchase. Isn't that true? It starts with an unwise decision. It may not even be a sinful decision at first. It's just an unwise decision that leads us down a path of temptation that leads us to sin and something we really regret. Um, Andy Stanley has a book that he has, has written um, called Ask It. 
And I would challenge you guys to get this book. If you have teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, we bought this book for both of our kids uh, for Christmas last year. And, and this is a fantastic book where he challenges you to ask the right question. There is a, a right question to ask if we want to make wise decisions and avoid temptation. You know, questions like, should I take this job or not? Should I marry this person or not? Should I make this purchase or not? Should we make this move or not? And, and what he talks about in this book called Ask It is we many times ask the wrong questions. And there is a right question. If we ask this question, it, is, it will revolutionize our decision making by just asking this one question. And this question, if you ask this question, it brings clarity. It, it cuts through emotion because wouldn't you agree that a lot of times we make emotional decisions that get us in trouble? If you ask this one question, it, it clears out the emotions, it reduces regret, and helps us to avoid temptation. Now, now, would you guys like to know this morning, what is the one question that he says, ask? Would you, how many would you be interested in that question? Okay. If you'll purchase this book, you can get it on Amazon. You can find out what the question, no, just kidding. I'm going to give it to you. All right, it's in your notes. I put the question, and then I encourage you to get the book. And you can read as he took, teaches through this. But here is the one question we should ask that will keep us from making unwise decisions and avoid temptation. In the light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? Isn't that a great question? I mean, that is a clarifying question. And notice it's... it's it's very personal in the light of my past experiences. You know, there may be some things that are okay for me to decide to do, but not okay for you to do because my past experiences are different than your past experiences. Because we're not talking about sin right now. We're just talking about decisions that don't violate the Word of God, but just a path we're going to go down. You know, as parents, we get this with our kids. We, we go, you know what, in, in light of your past experiences, I don't think that it's good for you to be out to 10, 11 o'clock every night because I just got your report card and your grades were, so in light of your past, but all the other kids, I know, but in light of your past experiences, this is not a good decision. You know, alcoholics know this. You know, they, they learn this in Alcoholics Anonymous. If you, if you want to stop being an alcoholic based on your past experiences, you have to come to a point in your life where you say, I will never take another drink again. Because one drink leads to more drinks and it can be a real problem. So in, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, not everybody else's current circumstances, but your current circumstances. You know, you got a purchase you want to make and you got to decide, is this a wise decision for me to make? Is this a wise decision for our family to, to make? And you say, well, let's look at our past experiences. You know, we've made some bad financial decisions in the past. Maybe we should rethink this based on my current circumstances. You know, we already are in debt. We're already spending more than we make. We're not acting our wage. We're not living on a budget. Maybe this isn't a good idea right now. This isn't a wise decision. And then based on my future hopes and dreams. You know, we, we want to have a house someday we want to own. Or we want to have kids someday. Or, or, or I want to have this career. So is this decision I make today, how is it going to affect me tomorrow? Five years from now, ten years from now. Isn't this a great question? Asking this question can bring clarity 
and reduce regret. So I encourage you to buy the book. I, I wish I had enough to give to everybody. I don't. But I do have one that I'm going to give out right now. Okay? So here's who I'm going to give. Y'all like, oh, I can't get some of you guys to raise your hand for anything. But y'all, I like to take a look. Yes, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> here's who I'm going to give this book to. I'm going to give this book to someone who is right now in this service, but you served in the children's ministry in the 8 o'clock service. You served it up. Oh, Jim, all right. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Can you give that to her? Thank you. There you go. See, we reward those who serve in children's ministry. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. All right. Let's look at the next one. Wise people. I love this one. Wise people work hard. You want to be a wise person that makes wise decisions? Be someone who works hard. Proverbs chapter 10. Go there with me. Chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Proverbs 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor. In other words, if you're lazy, you don't work hard, you're going to probably be poor. But the hand of the diligent who works hard makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a, what kind of son? A wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Wise people work hard. I love the way Thomas Edison says this. Thomas Edison says, Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and it looks like work. <laughs> you should write that down. Isn't that true? Wise people work hard. Diligence and laziness, the opposite of diligence, are key topics throughout Proverbs. You'll, you'll keep seeing them as you read through Proverbs. And we're going to talk more in depth about them later in another message this summer because it's one of the key things that's talked about. But for now, let me just say this. Solomon makes it very clear that God has nothing good to say about lazy people. Proverbs also makes it clear that God has nothing but good to say about hardworking people. I believe in hard work. And I believe that God blesses hard work. Wise people work hard. As I said, God has amazed us and blown us away with his goodness and his mercy and his grace and his blessings on Orchard Church going on 10 years this fall. And we give him all the glory, we give him all the honor and the credit for it. But I believe one of the reasons why God has done what he's done at Orchard Church is because we have worked hard for 10 years. And we're going to work hard for another 10 years. And when I say we've worked hard, I'm not just talking about Shelly and I who started the church. I'm talking about our, our leadership team, our entire staff. I'm talking about our 300 plus volunteers that work hard. You know, with the church, you know, fairies don't show up in the middle of the night and just set all this stuff up for us. I wish they would. We have people every Sunday morning that show up here at Orchard Church at 6 a.m. to set up all the children's classes and everything in the foyer and the stage and the praise band. Then we have volunteers that come and serve in our children's ministries. We have people who serve a service and sit in a service so they can be in service, but they're serving. And we have people yesterday serving in our community at the Brighton Culture Fest and passing out flyers and invitations to Orchard Church. We've been working hard. And can, can we just thank all those people who serve at our church right now for working hard? I don't 
don't believe that it's an accident that God has done what he's done at this church. It's partly been because of hard work, because wise people work hard. And we've been uh, kind of retooling a little bit our values here at Orchard Church, our leadership team, our staff. Uh, we meet once a month as an entire team. We bring everybody together, and we've been working on church values. And you're going to be hearing these more. You're going to see them on our website. We'll be talking about them in messages. And one of the values that we came up with, and I love this, and this is one of the things that, and it's not just what we want to be, it's who we are. And this is one of the values here at Orchard Church. We pray as if everything depends upon God. But we work as if everything depends upon us. That's one of our values. We pray as if everything depends upon God, but we work as if everything depends upon us. And I tell people all the time, I, I tell my kids this. If you want to get ahead in life, if you want to be promoted at work, and you want to kind of move up the ladder, so to speak, then here's what you do. Here's the secret. You show up on time, you work hard, and you have a good attitude. And you will be rewarded for that. You know why? Because there's little competition. <laughs> and those of you who are employers and bosses should be amening really loud right now. Is it not true? It's hard to find people today that just want to work hard. You, you got, I mean, uh, I could spend too much time here and get on a hobby horse. You got these young people, they come out of high school or they come out of college and they walk in wanting to make what their parents made when they retired after 30 years. It, oh, let's just not get started. <laughs> let's just stick with the Bible. Wise people work hard, okay? And I believe that God blesses hard work. We don't have time to go there, but I've got you put it in your notes, Proverbs 13, 4, Proverbs 21, 5, all talk about this. Do you work hard? You know, I see people complain, I'm not getting ahead, I'm not getting a raise. Do you work hard? Wise people work hard and God rewards that. Finally, one more, one of my favorite. You want to be wise, you want to make wise decisions. Wise people, according to Proverbs, win souls for Christ. That's what wise people do. Proverbs 11.30. This is a verse that um, a lot of people don't realize exists. You've maybe gone to church, you've heard people say, you know, we need to be a soul winner. We need to win souls. And I think sometimes people think that some pastor or some church just came up with that statement. But it's a, it's a verse. It comes from the scriptures, Proverbs 11.30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Righteous means right with God or right living. Good way to remember it. The fruit of righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is what, church? Is wise. You want to be wise? Win people to Christ. Seek to bring others to Christ. Another value that we've adopted here at Orchard Church is this. We reach people no one is reaching by doing things that no one is doing. Here at Orchard Church, we reach people that no one is reaching by doing things that no one is doing. Because we want to be wise as a church and we want to win souls for Christ. I mean, if you boil everything down to its most simplest form, what have we been trying to do for the last 10 years in this community? If you ask me, so of all the things you do, what's the one thing you guys want to make sure you do? I would say it's win people to Christ. There's people that have said, the reason I come to Orchard Church is because almost every Sunday in every service, people accept Christ. Aren't you thankful you're part of that kind of church, Orchard? Listen. The, the, the day we get used to that, the day that that just becomes, oh, ho-ho-hum, we have missed it. It's all about getting more people into heaven. 
It's all about connecting more people in, with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. And we're willing to do things that others may not be willing to do to reach people no one else is willing to reach. And that's why we do some crazy things sometimes here at Orchard Church. And, and you know, we, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. That's how passionate we are about this. But that's why a couple of years ago, some of you remember this, on Super Bowl Sunday. Now, as, as a church, as a pastor, Super Bowl Sunday is one of those Sundays that, as a pastor, you just dread. Because you're going to be thir down 30%, no matter who's playing in the Super Bowl. And so I think about that time a couple years ago, we were, we were running around 1,000 people on a weekend. And we looked at our, our numbers the year before, and we were like, well, we'd be lucky to have maybe 700 on this year. And then we're like, and, and of all years, this is the year the Denver Broncos are in the Super Bowl of which we do not speak. <laughs> and we're like, okay, this is going to be really bad. You know, is anybody going to come to church? And then we brainstormed as a, as a leadership team. We said, you know, rather than fight this, let's just embrace this. Let's have Super Bowl Sunday here at Orchard Church. And we told you guys, I mean, I thought I was at a Broncos game. I mean, everybody's in Broncos jerseys. We had orange and blue up everywhere. We told you guys, invite your friends. and Invite your unsaved, unchurched friends. We gave out a Peyton Manning jersey in every service. And it was a fun, awesome day. And you know what? Instead of, we were running about 1,000 at the time. And we probably would have had like six, 700. We had like 1,400 people in three services that Sunday. But that's not the best news. Don't applaud yet. We had like 25, 30 people accept Christ that Sunday. Yeah. And many of those people are still with us today. Many of those people went on and they got baptized. They're being discipled. They're in small group. They're now serving. I remember the story of one man. He had just started coming to our church. And he had basically come out of a cult. And he came to our church. He found Christ. He accepted Christ. But he had been, been trying to get his wife to come to church. And she was going to another church. And, and he couldn't get her to come. Couldn't get her to come. But she was a big Broncos fan. And so she heard about Super Bowl Sunday at Orchard Church. So she came to church, and, and she, by her own admission, she just wanted to win the Peyton Manning jersey. <laughs> That's fine. But she got a lot more than just that. She came to our church on Super Bowl Sunday, and she's never left since. And over the course of time, a few months later, she accepted Christ. And a, a few months ago, I had the privilege of baptizing her and her husband. And they have been discipled. And they're part of our church. And all because we did something crazy called Super Bowl Sunday. Because we want to win souls for Christ. We want to win souls for Christ. You know, being a soul winner, the, the word winner here in this verse, it means to capture. It, mean, it means to catch. It means wise people seek to capture people for Jesus. And some of you go, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to share the gospel. Can you invite somebody to church? Because you know if they come, they're going to hear the gospel. You know we're going to give them an opportunity. Can you do something as simple as put an Orchard Church sticker on the back of your car? That can help win souls to Christ. Because I can't tell you guys how many people I meet in our church, and I say, how did you hear about us? And they say, you know, I started seeing these stickers on everybody's cars, and I thought, I need to check this church out. And then they accepted Christ. I mean, can you, can you do that? Can you put a sticker on your car to help win people to Christ? I hope you can. Because while you're in this service, we've got people that are going around your cars. And if there's not a sticker, they're putting them on your cars right now. Woo! 
No, we're not. We thought about it. But you can pick one up at the table and put one on your car. Because we want to win souls for Christ. Jesus said in Luke 5.10 to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. That's how we win souls of Christ. We, we catch them. How, and how do we catch them? You know, I'm a fisherman. And, and, and if I want to catch fish, i got to know what they're biting on. What, what are people biting on today? What, what, what are they looking for? They're looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that's eternal. They're looking for something that will bring true fulfillment. And how do we win souls for Christ today? I mean, do, do we preach at them and tell them, turn or burn? Do we go knocking on their door and interrupting them in the middle of dinner? Because everybody loves that. Do we stand on a street corner with, you know, a megaphone? And I know there's people who do that. At least they're doing something, amen? But you know I, what I believe catches more people for Christ than anything else? It's right here in this verse. It's the fruit of righteousness. It's the fruit of our life when we're living for Christ that people look at our life and they say, I want what you have. I want a marriage like you've got. I want a relationship with my kids like you have. I want to handle my finances the way you do. I want to go through trials and tribulations and difficulties in my life with such hope and peace and comfort. Where does that come from? And we say, I'll tell you, it comes from my Savior, Jesus. I'd love to tell you about it. And I believe that is how we catch people today. What are you doing? What is your life? What are you doing in your life to attract people to Jesus, to win souls? Because winning souls makes us wise. Wise people win souls. But listen, as we close, you can't win others to Christ unless you first know Christ. And the wisest decision you could ever make is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Those of you that have done that, can I have a big amen? amen. amen. That's the wisest decision you could ever make. And I want to give some of you an opportunity to make that decision right now. Father, I just uh, thank you for your word. I pray that we would make wise decisions as we apply your word to our, our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now to invite Jesus in your life. You, you'll never have wisdom. You'll never fully understand these characteristics of wisdom until you make the wisest decision you could ever make, and that is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to lead you in a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put belief and faith behind it, and it comes from your heart, Jesus will come into your life today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer of faith with me right now? It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today. I need you in my life. I want you in my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I accept you by faith. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time and you truly meant it, I would love the privilege to pray for you that you would grow from this day forward in your relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand for prayer right now? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Slip it up. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith to invite Jesus into my life. Thank you. Father, I just pray for those accepting you today. I pray that they would grow in their relationship with you from this day forward and that we would come alongside them and help disciple them in their faith and their walk with you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, a lot of believers here I know today. How many of you as believers just simply say, you know what? I, I want to be wise. I want godly wisdom. And I want to make wise decisions. And as I look at these six characteristics, there are some of these areas that I know I could 
improve in. And would you pray for me that I would improve in those areas and I would have godly wisdom? Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? God bless you. Hands everywhere, almost everybody. Mine's up with you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray as we study the book of Proverbs this summer that we would get wisdom. It's a principal thing. I pray that we would get it from your word, that we'd hold on to it, that we build these characteristics of godly wisdom into our lives, that we'd live them out. As we talked about today, that we wouldn't just find wisdom, but we'd hold on to it and we'd use it and put it into practice today, tomorrow, as we go to work, as we go into our daily lives, that we would have the characteristics of godly wisdom for your honor and your glory and for our good in our lives. And that we would continually, as individuals in the church, seek to win people to you for your honor and glory and into the kingdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Decisions for Christ today here at Orchard Church? Amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, please let us know about that on your connection card. You can drop it in the offering bucket so we continue to pray for you and minister to you. If you are a first-time guest here at Orchard Church, thanks so much for being our guest today. Hopefully you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, guest, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. We're going to send you a little thank you note and a gift in the mail, so let us know that you're here today, uh, guest. As we close in a song of worship and worship through our giving, I want to remind you we want to be a church that gives to God first because we have a give first God who saves second and then who learns to live on the rest. That's good biblical stewardship. Let's uh, stand as we close in song of worship. Worship through our giving. God bless you guys. We'll see you again next week for Proverbs.